running through it. Um, I must admit, I, I, I was filled with, with intense panic in that space. And I did think, how am I ever going to find Jolene? And we both now in this phone space, got no contact, this, this could be disastrous. And I know for us both that um, we, we just, the only thing we could do, and Jolene will tell you the same story, besides have an absolute meltdown and panic, was just pray. <laughs> and we, we did in our own little spaces, fervently pray that God would do a miracle and help us to find each other. And to this day, that is my miracle. Um, that I, God did answer my prayer, and I was able to find Jolene in this huge big space, and, and a very emotional reunion took place when we did lay eyes on each other, and I, I do believe there might have been a tear or two shed. And that was the beginning of our adventures together. And as part of our adventures in Greece, we decided to catch a bus up to Thessaloniki on the, on the coast in the north, and Mark, if you can just go back three slides <laughs> to the map there. Um, there we go. So in the north there is Thessaloniki, and we decided we wanted to go to at least one place that we'd read about in the Bible, so off we decided we'd go there. You can go to the next slide there. Just want to give you a bit of information about the city. It was the capital of Macedonia, and first established in 315 BC by King Cassandros, and he named it after his wife Thessaloniki, who was the sister of Alexander the Great. Now, during Roman times, it became a really important crossroads on the Via Ignatia, with the road running east from Rome to the provinces of, of Pontus in Asia, intersected with the road that was running north from Athens to the River Danube. Now, today, when you go into Thessaloniki, it is this thriving metropolis. In fact, it's known as the second city of modern Greece. You can still travel along that Via Ignatia. It's just now a multi-lane highway. And you can still see many of the ancient ruins, the Roman Agora, um, the marketplace, the Roman theater. And in the next slide there too, I even included the top two very washed out slides are the two pulled out from our good old handy photo album in the days when you did print your photos and scanned in just to prove that we were actually there. Because that is Jolene in the forefront with her leg up on the, um, <laughs> so we were actually there. Now as part, of his second missionary journey, as our, our next picture there will show us, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he visits um, Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki as it's called, with Timothy and Silas. And according to the passage before us today, which is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, while Paul was in Athens, he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to encourage the believers there. And that would have been around the year AD 49 or 50, shortly after Paul and his company had actually left um, Thessalonica. He had a deep love for the Thessalonians, and he was well aware of the pressures they were under. And while he had great confidence in them, he just wanted to know firsthand that they were actually standing firm in the midst of the persecution they would likely have been facing. And when Timothy returned, it's believed that Paul was by then um, in Corinth, and, and most likely he wrote 1 Thessalonians from Corinth shortly after Timothy arrived to be with him. And so we're going to pick up this letter from chapter 3, and I'm going to just chat through Paul's words as we read them, so reading and sharing about the passage as we go along, and then I just want to leave us at the end with a, a personal word or response that I think is applicable to us all, that I think would lead really well into a nice time of corporate worship and ministry together. So verse 1, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. So this, the, the sending of Timothy 
um, was really an incredible sacrifice of love on, on Paul's behalf. Athens was a worldly, idolatrous city. Frankly, Paul needed all the support that he could get, but he was willing to be deprived of the valued presence of a brother and, and co-worker for the sake of the Thessalonian believers. It cost him something um, to, to release Timothy, but it was worth the cost to him um, for him to know about the spiritual well-being of the Thessalonian believers. Verse 2 says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So Paul wanted Timothy to do two things. He wanted the believers at Thessalonica to be strengthened or established and also to be encouraged in their faith. Both of these were really necessary. Now, the word translated strengthened here, it carries the idea of being established and supported in, in faith. And I think it brings home the point that faith is not just this one-sort conversion prayer. For our faith to be proved authentic, we need to move on from that point to being established and strengthened and grounded and rooted in our faith. And the word translated encouraged here is the term that Jesus used to denote the Holy Spirit in John 14, 20, in John 14 verse 16 and 26, and literally means one who's called alongside to help. And so this was a deep ministry of partnering with the Holy Spirit and coming alongside the believers there to ground them and establish them in their faith, supporting them in their spiritual journey, making sure their roots went down deep, and then encouraging them in their faith. Verse 3 goes on, So why? So that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. And for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, and that our labors might have been in vain. Very sobering words for us all, and not really what you want to find in the Word of God, or perhaps that's just me, but there it is. Um, we are destined for these trials. Friends, it's not unusual or strange for believers in Jesus to be faced with persecutions and trials and struggles. In fact, as I've just mentioned now, we are destined for those. And the ancient Greek word that's translated here in the NIV is unsettled. It's also translated as shaken. And it came from the idea of a, of a dog wagging its tail. Now, a dog wagging its tail at you can totally disarm you. I mean, it might be this really sort of, you know, strong, ferocious beast. The minute that tail wags, you just think, oh, you know, cute, and can be quite disarmed by that wagging of the tail. Now, we can be in great danger of being shaken, unsettled, and disarmed in our faith if we don't have a good understanding of the truth concerning the place of suffering in the life of the believer. And Paul wanted the Thessalonians to know that their time of present suffering, it was actually a part of them following Jesus. All Christians will suffer. Either you have, you are, or you will. In fact, Acts 14, 22, they say, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But just because we experience suffering, it doesn't mean that our suffering is random or that it is without purpose. And that is the truth that Paul wanted to remind these believers about, that these trials that you're facing, they are not without a purpose. 
Don't let them shake you, unsettle you, or disarm your faith. Expect them and be prepared for them. And then verse 6, but Timothy has just now come to us from you. He's brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. Paul hears from Timothy that the Thessalonians are, are doing well and enduring even in the midst of their persecution, that their faith has been proved genuine. They've got this mutual yearning and heart cry to also see him. You know, Paul was only there with the Thessalonians for a short period of time, you know, relative to this. And yet we still see an incredible depth of relationship that had developed in that short space of time. And I'm sure many of you can attest to that too, where you might have met with another um, body of believers in a different context. And just because of the presence of the Spirit in both your lives, it's like this instinctive and beautiful bond that just unites you together, um, a recognition of like a family in the, in the family of God. And it's a beautiful relationship that we have within um, the community of believers. And Paul is incredibly encouraged by their love because he too was also and needed to have that support from them. For now we really live, he says. Beautifully profound words that Paul actually, he, he found such life in the spiritual well-being of others within the community. And what he's really revealing in these words is just how much he needs his fellow believers too, and that their joy was also his joy as their lives were just, in, you know, um, so beautifully and inseparably intertwined. When they stood, when the Thessalonians stood firm in the Lord, when they were showing evidence of being rooted in the Lord, of trusting in God, even in tough times, of hoping in Christ, when their love for the Lord was evident, that faith had actually built up the faith of Paul himself. And so he says in verse 9, how can we thank God for you, enough for you, for all the, in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? It was a heart of incredible thankfulness and to God that Paul is overwhelmed with. And he recognizes these fellow believers, they are a gift from God to me. The power and presence of God in their lives that has brought them victory. Lord, I want to thank you for that. You in them has brought such joy into my life. We are a gift of God to each other in the Lord. And because of that, Paul prays and says, night and day in verse 10, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. These believers in Thessalonica, they were doing really well in their faith, but they were not perfect, just as none of us are. And although Paul repeatedly complimented them, he was also concerned that those areas where their faith wasn't grounded and was perhaps a bit shaky, where it wasn't complete, that he would have the opportunity to be able to minister into that space and share the truth. There were areas that they still needed their, their faith to be made whole in a sense. And the nature of those areas is not addressed specifically in this chapter, but the hints in the letter that the Thessalonians were confused with the a respect of the return of, of Jesus Christ, um, and also how to grow in spiritual grace. And that was why Paul was just asking the Lord to remove all the obstacles 
that the enemy had put in his path to prevent him from reuniting with the Thessalonians so that he could have that amazing privilege of being able to build into them the truth that was still lacking. And I think it's a great reminder to all of us too that we are all on a journey of maturity and a journey of growth. And there are probably very few of us here who can declare that we feel we are rounded out or complete and when it comes to all areas of spiritual understanding and maturity. And may it be our heart cry too that God would supply what is lacking in our own faith and that we would be humble enough to hear His Spirit speaking to us in that, God, in that regard and be open to receiving His truth and ministry from His people in that space. What do we each need to be doing to continue growing? And can I also remind you here about Howard's message last week, and the, and the vital reminder it was to all of us about the importance of being immersed in the Word of God, so that we are able to, um, as the Scriptures then were teaching us, move from a place where we consider ourselves spiritual infants to actually being spiritually mature. And Paul, as we said here, um, had a deep desire that God would make it possible for him to be reunited in person, because despite all the hindrances that Paul had encountered, he, he really believed that God would bring him back to the city. He had the power to do that, to remove those obstacles and bring him back to the city of Thessalonica. And his prayer was answered. Four years later, Paul visited the Christians at Thessalonica during his third missionary journey. And as the Lord brought into Paul into the lives of the Thessalonians at the right time, he still does the same thing for us today. I believe he brings the right people into our lives at the right time because he is the God who is able to direct our steps. And so often, these paths that he directs us on are paths that are all about the intersection of lives and the intersection of lives that have a profound impact on our own growth and our own journey. Verse 12 says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. This was not a loveless church, but they still had so much room to grow in love because love is such a crucial element of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Remember Jesus' words recorded in John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love. His love in us and flowing from us is a means of identifying who is a disciple of Jesus and who isn't. But that kind of self-sacrificing, self-giving love is a love that's far beyond our natural capability. And it is a love that only the Lord is able to give us. And it's a love that the Lord empowers us to have through His Holy Spirit. And He not only enables us to love, but He also provides opportunities for us to show that love to others as well. And it's a love that Paul prayed what wouldn't just overflow and increase for, for those around them, for each other, but for everybody else as well. Um, towards all men, as the King James Version says. Our love might begin here in the family of God, but it's a love that's destined to go way beyond that. We call to love not just those who love us, but to love beyond that, even those in the community who despise us and hate us. 
And he ends by saying, may he strengthen your hearts that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Paul's prayer was that the Thessalonians would stand firm in their faith until the second coming of Jesus Christ, so that when Jesus comes again, he would be able to present them as his bride, pure and holy in the presence of the Father. And Paul was praying for them to be growing in holiness, not this outward religiosity, but at a heart level, that they would be set apart from the world and set apart for God. And that is the ultimate purpose for all of us who are saved, that we too would from the inside out be growing in holiness and being set apart from the values and philosophy and vices of this world in order to be his people, a holy people, a people belonging to God. So what is the personal word or response that I think is applicable to us all? And it is something that is very practical rather than something that is deeply theological. And it is this, that as a Christian community, we are bound together in strengthening and supporting each other. An essential part of Christian community is our need for constant strengthening and support because every member, every person within the family of God needs support and strength in their faith. And our abundant Abundant spiritual life is found not just in a a growing relationship with God, um, and that's obviously vitally important, but I think it's also found in having a healthy relationship with each other and those around us, because there is a rich blessing that comes from relating to and ministering to the needs and the growth of others. And I think this passage really reminds us today that people are a gift of God, And they're a gift from God for each other. And that is why Paul's heart was so thankful to God, because he was thankful for the people of God that he loved so deeply and who also loved him, because he knew the incredible value those people played in his lives. I am grateful for the people of God that I love so deeply. And so much of my spiritual growth has happened in the context of the relationships that I share with many of you. And I believe that God has brought every single one of us here for a reason. And it is not just to warm the chair on a Sunday morning either. It is because the mix of people here are a mix that I feel are important for our strengthening and our support in the faith. All of you carry spiritual gifts and anointings that have got the power to minister grace and hope and faith into the rest of our lives if you will step out and use them. And I started off the the message today by sharing about my Greek holiday with Jolene. And I didn't just do that to be able to tell you how and when I got to visit the city of Thessalonica personally, but for something else that that holiday reminded me of. At the time that I planned that holiday with Jolene, I had just had my first interview with the call committee here at the church. And I did not know that that ministry opportunity would be opening up at the time that we started planning our trip, you know, months before. Um, with me living up in Johannesburg. And I had, to be honest, very reluctantly come down to Cape Town for that initial interview and was really fighting the possibility that God might be calling me across the country, far from my friends, far from my family, and all that was familiar to me. And in the course of that three-week traveling around, I had the opportunity um, to be on my own 
um, overlooking the sea, always a special place for me, I think, spiritually. Times just to, to sit there, to think, to pray, to, to really seek the Lord. And it was very significant for me that this time was shared with a friend who deeply loved the Lord. And, in fact, would land up be my co-worker and colleague in ministry here at Connect um, for the next two decades. And Jolene was a tremendous encouragement and support for me on that journey. And I will always think of the beginnings of my journey here at Connect. They started for me on the island of Samos, sitting on a rock, looking over the Mediterranean in a very significant prayer time. And I remember knowing that Jolene was there, you know, in the background, interceding on the beach while I was having that time with the Lord. And that was a marker moment for me, and I will always see that was the start of my journey here. Friends, we matter to each other, and, and we actually have a really significant role to play, I believe, in helping each other to stand firm. Not just to stand firm in the faith and to keep the faith, but to also live out His plans and purposes for us. And I believe that we strengthen and support each other by showing very practically, we need to be showing our concern for each other. And then we need to be putting our concern into action by actually doing something with that concern. And there are many options that are, are there before us. There's some that come from the passage today. We could be sharing words of encouragement one to another. We could be also um, speaking words of life, speaking words of hope over each other as the Spirit leads us. And we could be praying for each other, as we know Paul did there as well. We could be loving each other deeply, um, very practically, and in so many different ways that we can unpack that. And we know that this support is really vital because, as we saw today, we're destined for some tough times of difficulty and persecution. And as a Christian community, we will encounter trials and suffering. Paul wrote, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And as we encounter all these different kinds of sufferings spoken about in this passage, our strength often comes from the ministry that we provide one to another. And those of you who've come out victorious and can declare those verses with such victory have such a role to play and speaking life and hope to others who are just starting journeys in that space. If we're functioning as the body of Christ, involved in each other's lives, working together for the kingdom, then suffering happens in the context of community. Because we're not meant to be a bunch of lone rangers just gathering together for praise and worship, but we are taught in Galatians 6 verse 2 that we are to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And those aren't those everyday niggles that come your way, but those are those burdens where it is like boulders on people's back that they need help carrying. I believe as the church, we're meant to be a refuge and a place of healing and support for those who are suffering trials. And when one of us here is hurting, it is an opportunity for the rest of us as their spiritual community to be part of their healing as the Spirit leads us. When one of us is down, it is an opportunity for the rest of us here as their spiritual community to encourage them. When one of us is in need, it is an opportunity for the rest of us as their spiritual community to have the privilege of coming alongside of them to help as God so enables us. 
And that's what we're going to take the time to do just now. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come up right now. And we're going to enter into a space of corporate worship. And our, the invitation is there for you to seek the Lord as to what He might be asking you to bring or to do in order to offer encouragement or love or support to somebody else who might be in the family here today. And that might involve getting out of your seat and just going and drawing alongside someone and praying for them. Or it might mean going to someone and just speaking words of life and hope over them. It might be words of thanks and affirmation for um, the roles they've played in your life. Or you might be one of those who's really feeling like you are in that place of deep suffering and are really needing the ministry of your brothers and sisters here to draw alongside of you. And if you are in some way able to make that known, that would be so special so that we could have the privilege of praying alongside you. So you might want to, if you know the people around you, even just ask for prayer or feel free to come to the front here as well. And that would also be a, a safe space where you can just come and we can just gather together and pray. But we want to have this really special time of just open ministry and worship here. If you've got a word to bring to us, the church, that's going to encourage us and strengthen us in our faith, then we'll be so excited to hear that. Just come here um, and chat to Howard too so we can make, for that, make sure that just flows so beautifully um, with what Al's doing here as well. So let us just go into this time really open and expectant to see what God would have happen in our midst as we put into practice this really important word to strengthen and encourage one another up in the faith, that we may be presented holy and blameless before our Lord and Savior when He comes. <laughs>